Um, welcome guys to the Google Podcast. I am your host and in, this, in today's episode I'm talking with a good friend of mine and his name's Sean Jones. He's a yoga and meditation teacher. He's from Wales originally but I've got to know him quite well over in Liverpool where he's lived for, for many years. So uh, first of all thanks Sean for uh, having a chat with me today. Thanks yeah it's, it's really nice to, nice to be here. Yeah we've um, for anyone with a bit of background it, Quite a lot of people have actually watched and listened to my um, interview with uh, Louise Kay. And when we had that event here, um, well, I did the interview with her. And then afterwards, she did a small event and, and you came over. It's funny, we were, we were doing the interview and I had to pause for a minute. And then all of a sudden, she had a little message on her phone just to say, oh, someone else is, is just um, booked on. And, um, and then about half an hour later, you turned up and kind of like just started that way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we met, I think. Um, yeah, through through Louise K. Um, yeah, and it was really really nice session as well. It was really good. Yeah, she's um, yeah she's doing a lot of a lot of good, and I think I'm actually arranging to do another chat with her, and to do like it'd be the first time I've ever ever anyone twice. But I think with her kind of teachings and the presence that she brings to stuff can potentially be of some use to people at the moment who are. Finding it pretty tough, you know, we're recording this on the 9th of April and the world is, like, who would have imagined that, like, how March, like, at the beginning of March, you would not have imagined that the world would have been like this at the beginning of April. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I was going, like, full pace with so many classes and retreats and, like, I was doing a lot of myself as well. Um, and then like, I felt I was building up this big momentum you know of, of a lot of change happening and then it was kind of like boom like stopped in one big kind of within the space of a few days it was like just everything kind of fell in on itself in a way I guess it felt like that anyway um, yeah. yeah yeah it does, it does feel like that and if you want to just show us the, the thing above your head <laughs> so you're um so you're back in Wales now. So that must have, not only have you been able to sort of like everything has stopped work-wise to you, but you've kind of moved back. Is it back to the family? Yeah, yeah, back to my family home. Um, yeah, which is, I was in Liverpool and it was all going on and the lockdown hadn't happened yet, but I just had this real gut feeling um, that I should leave, leave the city, you know. So I just, I just kind of, I came home straight away. Um, and yeah, yeah, feels like a good decision sometimes. <laughs> and where about in Wales are you? Yeah, but a Stwith, which is like West Wales. Um, but I'm about five miles out in this little village. Um, and it's actually, it's kind of an idyllic place to be really. Um, just down the road, this quite big remote valley. Um, and it's a good place, good place for me to go. Um, I went for a swim in the river this morning, which was really good. I've been doing that every day just to kind of like keep me going, you know, keep me up. Um, so yeah, in many ways, it's like really, it's the perfect place to be. Yeah, but it is. That sounds amazing to just go and have a, a dive in the river each morning. We, yeah. Yeah. We've got some probably polluted streams close to where we are, which is probably not the yeah. best thing to get into. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice it's you know it's really um it's just a really interesting time and it's just really yeah i think i touched on it before um 
before we started talking. It's like, you know, a whole reset's going on, a pause, and this might this might be the only time this happens in our lives. And I, I reckon there's a lot of people are just itching to get back to normality. Um, but for mm. me, like I've kind of, people who've listened to this podcast and listened to the things I've spoken about will realize that, you know, I've made quite a few changes in my own life the past four, five, six years to sort mm. of slow down and to rewire really the way I approach life and, and all, all, all that cyber stuff. And I, I, I don't want this to like, I don't want people to suffer through this because there's a lot of people who are suffering. I just heard this morning that one of my good friends, mum is in the ICU unit in Liverpool. She's like on, you know, she's really, you know, it's really serious at the moment with, her with COVID-19. So we're all praying for her at the moment. And mm. that's like, that's when it really starts to hit home. Cause I haven't heard of anyone close by. I've heard of a few friends and family who've, who've got it but very little sort of impact on them other than a cold or, you know, some of them are losing the sense of taste and stuff like that. But they're bouncing back within a week or so. It was the first time I've heard of someone who's actually, you know, is like, but probably like fighting for the life. Yeah, Um, yeah. It kind of hits home, doesn't it? And I know there's quite a few people in my family who are older and have got some, you know, really in that vulnerable category and they've got... um, letters come through saying they need to stay in for 12 weeks because they're high risk and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, no doubt. It's really, um, very, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, I can't believe the way the world, the world has changed. And, um, I think they said maybe, I don't know, maybe 60,000 people might, um, die from it in the UK, which is about, I think it's 0.1% of the population. So it's still mm. tiny compared to say, in the grand scheme of things, but it's because it all happens. It's such a, sh- in like a condensed period. Mm, like yeah. A few thousand people might die from the flu each year, but that's over like three or four months and the NHS doesn't get like overwhelmed. But, um, but yeah, it's just, um, very peculiar time. But like, I like to do talk about stuff on here. It's like with every, cl- with every cloud, there's a silver lining to stuff. And yeah. I, I, I've always said, like, I believe things, you know, happen for a reason and this isn't necessarily happening to us it's happening for us in some way so a lot of us can readdress certain things in our life and to look because i remember spoken of a podcast like supposedly something like 70 percent of people don't like the jobs and out of that 70 percent, more than half hate the jobs but i think most of them are just going on with it because they feel like they have to, or that's just the way it is. So I think some people who will be on, who'll be furloughed now for say two, three months. Mm. Yeah, there'll be a part of them will be like, I need the money and want to get back to it. But I think a lot of people are going to maybe see, well, one, there might not be a job to go back to. And two, what else, you know, what is it that they actually want to do in their lives? Yeah. So, you know, might never get this opportunity to really, you know, change tracks. Because it's almost like humanity is changing tracks from it. And then us all individually can decide, are we going to go in a different way? And obviously it'd be good to maybe talk about the effect that's happening on us. Cause, um, like for you, like all your retreats, all your classes, you'd normally do face to face, yeah, high studios, all that's just disappeared. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all gone. Um, although I'm now teaching a lot online. Um, so it's kind of, um, it's meant that I've just, basically within the space of a week, I kind of moved my whole business online. Um, 
so I'm teaching a lot of yoga and meditation online now. Um, and pretty much most of my weekly schedule is actually the same. It's just done via Zoom now, um, which is it's interesting, you know, because you um, you lose the the face to face contact, you know, and that's something I've noticed over the last three weeks or however long I've been here is um, I've not seen many people like in my day living and working in Liverpool, I might see like a hundred different people and I might have 20 conversations with people and meet new people every day. And now it's like, it's like almost coming back to some ancient tribal way of being where you just see the same people. I'm just seeing my family every day, you know, um, and I'm not, not having all that stimulation, I guess, that, that I used to have like a, a real constant stimulation of things to do, people to see, like, um, so yeah, it's a completely different way of being now. Um, and I think the internet's quite a, it's playing a big part in all of this because it's not like that's been removed. That's even more prevalent. Like I'm spending so much more time on, on a screen now than I was before, um, which has lots of implications as well, I think for me. Um, and the communication is now like, now like we're having now, you know, it's, it's, this is the communication that we're having and it's different, isn't it? It's, it's, it, it's kind of satisfies something, but it doesn't fully satisfy um, other aspects of social connection, I think. I don't know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, totally. It's, it's interesting. Like, for instance, you've shifted everything online. And I'd imagine when you things go back to, you know, the, lock, the, the things that are in place, the lockdown, it gets relaxed. It'd be interesting mm. to see how I think a lot of people will obviously go back to doing the normal stuff. But I think that online thing, that would, they've, given them, they've given themselves two, three months training in getting that set up. Mm. And that I'd imagine that will stay in place for a significant amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's very, very, um, peculiar. Like we had to nip out yesterday to, to go to a, an appointment at the, the hospital and it's just, you go on the motorway and, you know, normally these motorways, like where I live, we live in like on the edge of the M6, about a mile away. Mm. And it's normally just, it almost feels like it's turned into a dual carriageway, like a, a quiet dual carriageway. Yeah, yeah. And all it is is lorries, which is great because they're obviously keeping everything's moving. So we can all continue to, to eat food and to get whatever other supplies we need. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very eerie. But there's also, there's a, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to admire about this way of being a bit. And I'd like to think, interestingly, like one thing I've been reading, like Germany, on Sundays, they still have the thing in place where nobody kind of, nothing's really open on a Sunday. Basically what it used to be like here in the 80s, yeah. maybe early 90s, I don't know, when everything was closed on a Sunday. You just have a couple of hour windows. Maybe the pub was open for a couple of hours and it was closed. Mm. And then everyone would just retreat back home or they'd be out on the park and stuff or playing sports. And I'd really like us to, to get at least a day of that back, you know, at some point when it, yeah. when it does all bounce back. Because I think like you said, you said we're constantly overstimulated. And even now we can be very overstimulated with the internet. 
like we've got to be careful. I was I was watching something and I heard someone's phone. They you know it tells you how long they've been on the phone and was like today it's been four, fourteen hours use on the phone. Wow, like, that's insane. You're gonna you're gonna spend fourteen hours on the phone and uh, and I, okay, I can imagine. Don't get me wrong. Even a few weeks ago, when it all kind of like kicked off. I, I don't really watch the news. We don't watch it on TV, but, I'd follow, but I just started following it on my phone because mm. it was just like these constant updates because everything, because this is probably the first time that something's happened that everyone's getting impacted by. You might hear about something that's happening. I don't know, there's a massive hurricane that's happened in New York or there's been earthquakes somewhere or there's been a, a bomb somewhere. We can have compassion for it and feel into it. But this is one of the few things that's happened where everyone's been affected by it. So, yeah, very, um, very interesting times. And I think um, as, as we come out of it, who knows what the world will be like. But I'd like to think it's going to be this, this pause button on a reset. And particularly what I'm thinking about as well is like, look at the financial system. Now, that's in place. It's not, it's, it's not like fit for purpose. It's not something that is going to su- is supporting humanity in mm. the way, the way everything's set up, the way the stock market's set up. Everything's just set up to make profit. And it's mm. not necessarily about us and like humanity and nature. Mm. So we can maybe begin to ask a lot more questions because a lot of the distractions that we would use, maybe going to the football once a week, um, you know, party, all sorts of stuff, which can be really good distractions. We need a release in life, but because mm. we've not got them anymore, I think there's more of a greater spotlight on other stuff. Um, and like you said, you know, all of a sudden the brakes get put on, everything changes overnight. You're all back home to your family home and you're kind of probably thinking, well, how long am I going to be here for? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think what's also interesting is um, maybe it's forced us to look at what we were distracting ourselves from in the first place. Cause I think all the busyness and I noticed this with myself, actually before this, I was really busy, like, and I was making myself really busy and I, I was, I knew to some extent I was distracting myself from something. Um, and I think a lot of our work within our society is, or our overstimulation or our over busyness is a distraction from something. Um, and maybe, maybe this pause now is forcing us to, to look at what we were distracting ourselves from, you know? Um, for me, I think it's just like our feelings inside and our maybe the sense of loneliness or like needing connection. Um, that's been coming up for me. Um, yeah. So I think it's, is making us look at our core kind of wounds almost or our core kind of things yeah that we were running away from which which is really difficult i think and it's probably a difficult process to go through it but it'll probably lead to to like better things afterwards you know um it'll lead to some sort of i don't know what the right word is some sort of awakening or a greater realization of 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 um truth yeah maybe yeah, definitely i i 100 agree with that and i think like I, I really resonate with what you're saying about 
we're most of the time we're running away from our feelings and so always you know you can even even when you can sit there and attempt to meditate or something your mind can be pulling you out of it saying you need to do this next after this go do this da, da, da. and it's just pulling you out of that present moment and to literally just to, to feel into the present moment and actually to feel what's potentially out of balance with us mm, yeah and i think a lot of people you know myself including still now will be still doing things to distract myself with you know yeah. even i think you were saying before like what you're saying you were really busy and it might feel like it's a positive busy in some ways yeah. like you know you're creating you know the things that you want to do and you're doing these classes and you're helping people um but there can still be a sense of like you say busyness and overstimulation so it's almost like as if the power plug has been pulled at the moment and we're not the ones in charge of sticking it back in. It's like, it'll go back in when it's supposed to go back in. And yeah. And that's when um, time, time is up. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've noticed actually, I think it's forcing us or I've noticed within me, it's forcing me to not even entertain the future, like within my mind when, those thoughts about the future come up. I can see more clearly now than ever before that, that there's just suffering within thinking, you know, like when's this going to end? Like, is, is my life going to go back to normal? You know, all this stuff, like um, all this future thinking, I've, I've, it's really highlighted for me that there's no, that's just not worth going into that. <laughs> it's, it's, there's no value um, in entertaining that, um yeah it's forced us into the now even more for me anyway that's what i've noticed yeah definitely and it with that it's like um yeah it's, it's so like we're so we're so busy we're so distracted we're so you know running here there and everywhere i often talk about it at times like we're on this hamster wheel and we're going nowhere fast a lot of the time we're just mm -hmm going to keep up with everything else because everyone else is doing that, but we don't really reflect to think, is it actually madness us doing it? Mm, um, yeah. And I've realized that by me actually slowing down in life, you can reflect more and then you can choose a different path, which can get you to so much, somewhere so much more amazing than if you were just racing ahead just like as if you're in a race with with everyone else it's like no i'm gonna you know take the road less travels mm -hmm. i think it's gonna give an opportunity for a lot of us to take the road less traveled and even though maybe self what i do and what you do is a little bit um you know different to the norm like you know we work for ourselves and we can make up our own hours and you know we've got the flexibility to move around and go and do what we want pretty much We're still in the system you know and I think yeah. that's the thing as well, like the system has to change. But it's interesting, look in the past few weeks, um, like how much, like all of a sudden, like every homeless person in London is now housed, you know? Wow. So the solutions are all there, you know? There's more than enough food to feed everyone yet, but now people are still struggling to get food as well. You know, a lot of people have, there's going to be some people, there's a significant amount of people, millions probably in this country, who are teetering on the edge anyway with with the financial support that they've got in place. So, mm. yeah, it's, um, it's showing. It's certainly putting a lot of spotlight on stuff. And this could be a moment, actually, that we look back on 
that this is the moment that changed everything. Mm. Like in 10, 20, 30 years time, like this moment could be like, wow, look what it did. And, and people might reflect on it. Like they think it's, you know, the, the great depression back in the thirties. And, um, but this could be like anything. I think there's an opportunity to, to find the positive in it and for us to go down a better path. And like you said about the mind, the mind, if we listen to the mind, it get the moments, my mind, if I listen to it too much, you'll be saying, well, you're going to have enough money in a few months. You're going to run out of money. Is it going to be enough food? You know, is there enough stuff in the fridge? Do you need to go and do another online order? It's like all these stuff, but actually right now, and this is what I'd probably say to a lot of people who might be listening to this. It's like, you know, if you, if you, did you wake up this morning in your own bed? You know, did you have a meal? You know, did you manage to get some bit of fresh air? Like we've pretty much in that moment, in this day, you know, we've got everything, haven't we? It just feels like we've not. Um, so, but it's nice to chat with you anyway. It's like, you know, because you're, we'll get, we'll delve into you a little bit more and you know, what you've actually do and your path you've been on and you know, you're a yoga meditation teacher and you do um, your kirtan as well, is it? Yeah, I do kirtan. That's probably my favorite thing to do, um, which is, to explain it briefly, it's um, I've got this instrument called the harmonium, which is kind of like a, it's kind of like an organ, a small organ that you play on the floor, um, and yeah, you sit. We sing mantras uh, with it, like uh, Sanskrit or Hindi mantras, um, and yeah, it's it's just I can't really explain. It's just a beautiful practice that um, brings me a lot of joy. Brings me a, yeah an awful lot of joy. Um, yeah on that on that with music as well because we um after we met at the louise k um event i just started to go to five rhythms around about the middle of 2019 and um yeah. and then just started bumping into you in there and like there's something so healing isn't there about dance and music and something special about five rhythms. Now, some people, I try and explain five rhythms to some people, but um, I'll maybe hand that one over to you if you want to explain what five rhythms is. Yeah, so it's, they call it a movement meditation. Um, and there's uh, basically, there's a teacher who doesn't really do so much, but um, the teacher plays five different rhythms of music. So the first one is flowing. So the teacher will play flowing music and then you're, you're invited to kind of move in whatever way you want to move really. Uh, there's no particular, there's guidelines, but there's no real kind of firmly set rules like you can move however you want to. Um, so yeah, flowing music and then there's staccato, which is kind of like, um, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like hip hop kind of music or music that's kind of makes you move in a staccato kind of way. And then there's chaos, which is the third rhythm, my favorite rhythm, which is where the music is just going crazy and you can make some noise if you want to. Um, and then there's lyrical and then there's stillness. So it does this kind of this wave, I guess, um, of music. Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful practice. Like, yeah, it's done a lot for me. I think I started going about three years ago in Liverpool. Um, and when I first started going, I felt I knew that I needed to go because I knew it was going to kind of challenge me, I guess. Um, and I started going and I, for quite a while, I felt quite self-conscious in my movement and I wasn't that free in my body. I was quite tense, you know. Uh, but the more I went, the more I started to feel a lot more free and then um, 
before long I was able to kind of like just move in quite an authentic free way um, and it's done so much for me in terms of moving stuff through my body like moving tension through my body but also making me feel a lot more confident I guess um, yeah and also able to connect with others I think that's a huge element of the five rhythms practice is is connecting with other people um, and it's helped me come face to face with what my barriers were to connection with other people so yeah that and singing they've both done so much so much for me yeah yeah I absolutely love five of them that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to going back yeah me too <laughs> getting back to doing that you know on a, we do it on a Monday night in Liverpool and I, I always say at the end of it like there's no better way to spend a Monday night now, most Monday nights can be, well, I don't know, you can end up sitting in front of the TV or it can be at the start of the week. And But yeah, just to, to be in there. And I think like you touched on it, it's the same for me. Like you find your edges, you get pushed up against it. I, I realized like I've got some resistance about kind of making eye contact with people for, for longer periods of time, especially mm. when there's, when you're not talking. Like we're talking now, it's fine. But do you know when there's not, no words and you just... And I end up like, you know, I'll look anywhere, but it's me recognizing that in me. And over time, you just get, just get better at it. And also, it's like when you go there, because like you said about chaos, like that's, you know, my, my favorite part of as well, is it? Well, actually that and then after it, because I think you've shaken so much off in chaos. Mm. You feel like very light and you can kind of just float around the room. Um, mm. But at times, there must be about 30 or 40 of us packed inside quite a small space really compared to some of the other spaces you can do it in and yeah it's just a it's a beautiful practice and like i'm really really grateful that it's there and this you know it's quite pretty becoming a lot more popular isn't it over the years yeah definitely yeah yeah it's 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 growing i think that's because there's a need for it possibly like um people want to do stuff like dancing but maybe not with the kind of drinking and stuff that's normally involved with with those kind of things so um it's a space for people to to do that and it's also i think a beautiful space for people to um express their emotions uh, while other people are around you know um and i think it's it's a space where that's so it's okay to do that and it's difficult to find spaces nowadays where you can express your emotions in front of others in a in a in a way that's going to be like accepted, I guess. Um, so it's like, it's a beautiful space for that, to, to feel like you, you're held, I guess, by it, by others. Yeah. 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 Totally. And as you say, like in society, it's not necessarily acceptable to, to let out, to be honest, like some of the noises that will come out of us when we're in there and, and you'll see some of the releases that other people will have as well that um you know if you just walk down the street and saw someone doing that you yeah. know people would be like ringing up <laughs> ringing up someone to come and collect you um yeah. Yeah. but then that sort of shows how sort of confined society has become and it's not allowing us to to like like for instance you look at kids don't you, you see kids playing three four year old whatever they fall over they bang themselves crying their eyes out next minute they're back up jumping up and down laughing you know, they, they allow their emotions to, to just move through them. We think how a lot of us have got to the point where we don't, we don't, they're just constantly getting blocked 
And then that, that block is just going in. It's just building up and building up and building up. And even I'm feeling it now, like even like I've got a nice home and we've got our garden space, but you know, I think almost like the fourth week of lockdown, I think it is or something like that, you know, and there is stuff, you know, you want to be able to, you know, I want to go do them things a bit, particularly five rhythms because it helps things to move out. And I haven't quite, I keep meaning to go do my own practice in one of the mm-hmm. spare room and put on our, our teachers. Like I think it's got about 45 minute Spotify playlist that you can you can just go I should do it really because it's just me you know don't have to think about anyone else yeah but yeah it's really really special for you in terms of because I, I remember I've seen a few of your posts on Facebook where you talk about anxiety quite a bit mm. is that the thing that has sort of taken you down this path you feeling you know overwhelmed anxious just that stuff coming up in you when you were younger yeah definitely like when I was I'm 31 now when I was in my early twenties and probably even before, um, yeah, I was struggling with quite, quite a lot of anxiety. Um, and it got to a point where I kind of, I mean, I tried all the kind of normal forms of therapy like CBT and medication and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess it wasn't, it wasn't really working for me so well. And then I found, I found yoga uh, and that really helped me. Um, and then I also started meditating as well. Um, and I think those, a combination of those two practices together, um, I saw that they, they were starting to kind of do something for me, I guess, that they were really helping, helping me to just relax as much as anything. You know, that's what I was struggling with most was feeling uh, constant tension in my body and feeling that I was struggling with like all the symptoms that, that anxiety brings. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of a long process, I think, but um, I really kind of dedicated to those practices. Um, and then I also, I started chanting maybe about five years ago, no more, yeah, just over five years ago. Um, and I started this Buddhist practice um, called Nishiren Buddhism, which involves chanting uh, this mantra. Uh, the mantra is Namyo Horengikyo, and you basically repeat that mantra again and again. Um, and it was when I found that practice, it was really kind of, it was what I was looking for, you know, it was kind of a way out, I guess, from, um, from the suffering I'd been experiencing. Um, so I just like really dedicated to that practice. Um, when I was doing, at one point I was chanting for like two hours a day, you know, I was really kind of like full on with it. Um, and slowly through mainly that and also definitely meditation and yoga as well. It kind of brought me out of that state of anxiety, I guess. Um, and it shifted, shifted so much for me. Um, and now I feel so much more free from that kind of stuff. And I feel able to like, express myself. I feel more confident. I feel able to follow, follow my dreams, you know, what I want to kind of do with life. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a long journey um but i'm just i'm super grateful for the practices i found really because it's them them and dedicating to them that has has kind of brought me out of that of that struggle that i was going through as a, as a young man yeah and it's interesting i can find this in my life and a lot of other people's lives and when you're saying that it's like our struggles are things that we find you know well, like you say anxiety and stuff they're the things that can end up pushing us in a different direction 
So yeah. you have to become a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. And then you can then share them gifts and help others from where they were, you know, on their path. Um, and that's the thing, like looking at COVID-19 now, I think that's what might happen through this phase as well. It might then, you know, encourage more people to, I can only imagine over time, yoga meditation so it's already becoming a bit a lot more mainstream but there's still there's still a lot of resistance to particularly meditation mm, yeah. and and i think even like you're hearing a lot even just like you'll hear on the mainstream now people talking about box breathing and techniques to how to you know the people are going to get pushed into such a corner now with it that they'll they'll feel like they've got no other choice but to to find some relief because they can't just keep distracting themselves with stuff because it's the distractions just building. It's not actually getting to the core of what we're feeling. It's just like mm. you touched on before. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting. And you, have you done quite a bit of, um, with your training and stuff? I believe, did you spend a bit of time in India? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I was working, I worked in television for years. Um, for S4C, it's the Welsh language TV channel. Um, and I did that for years and then I realized that that kind of work wasn't wasn't for me I guess um so I left and I went to India um maybe five six years ago um I did my yoga teacher training there uh and then I spent I spent quite a lot of time just traveling around India um spending time in ashrams um learning more about yoga uh then I went to Nepal the Himalayas and did a lot of hiking for quite a few months. That was really good. Um, and then, then yeah, moved to Liverpool to teach. So, so what's it like in Nepal? Uh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It's probably my favorite country I've ever been to. Um, they're Buddhist. So there's, you get a real feeling of, um, there's a lot of laughing, you know, there's a lot of smiling, a lot of laughing. There's a real warmth to the people. Um, and then the Himalayas were, were amazing. Uh, I spent, I walked to Everest base camp and we did 22 days of walking. And that was, that was really, really nice. Like, um, just waking up every day, walking, eating, sleeping kind of, um, yeah, brought me back to some sort of kind of primal way of being, you know, just kind of just having a very simple life, like, um, yeah yeah it was really really good i'd imagine there's some similarities then with what's going on now with us having to you know have much more of a simple life in many ways so yeah. you've almost you've had a bit of training in it so <laughs> yeah you can help others through this process as well yeah yeah so yeah. what made what made you move to liverpool well there's no strong reason. I mean, I was in India um, one night when I was still traveling and I was like, hmm, what, what, where should I, what should I do? Because I had no plans, you know. Um, and I was just in bed one night and I was like, oh, I need to move to a new city. Where should I move to? And Liverpool just came. And in that moment, I just decided, oh, I'll go to Liverpool. <laughs> um, <laughs> my brother had been to uni there and I, I, I knew about the city. So... Um, it just, yeah, it literally was just that, uh, a thought and a decision made. Um, yeah. You just went with it? Yeah, I just went with it, yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's something yeah. amazing. Like I, I'm more my family's from Liverpool, and most people who will be listening to this podcast are aware that I've got the bit of the Scouse twang. Um, mm. But there's something, there's something about the place. There's a lot of creativity, and there's also a lot of laughter. Mm. The humour, you know, the Scouse humour is, you know, well, I don't say legend, yeah, legendary. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of creativity. Um, and you know it's got its challenges like any major city's got a lot of challenges um, but there's something about the place like I worked in Manchester for a lot of time like studied there and then set up my company there so I spent about 13 years over there um, mm. but it never felt like home but Liverpool's always you know something about home isn't it you know you just keeps pulling you back and I think it's because it's on with Liverpool as well it's on the water and there's a lot of feels like there's more space and there's some amazing parks because it's you know, from the Victorian ages, isn't it? Where they really did a lot of good planning in the city in many places. Um, but yeah, 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 definitely. So you're back in you're back in Wales now. So how's the setup at the moment? Then you you how big's the family? What, parents? Yeah, just just me back here at the moment. My brothers are, are away still. Um, so yeah, just me and mum and dad. How many brothers have you got? Uh, two brothers, one's in Japan at the moment studying Japanese um, and he's staying there at the moment. I think they've just gone into lockdown a few days ago. Uh, and then my my big brother's in Cardiff. He's a Welsh translator in Cardiff. Yeah. So not being too affected then by, um, well, they will, but I'm sure he's going to be affected in Japan. Um, and it, it's a bit weird. I was speaking to a few other people who are they're in India actually at the moment and it's actually Louise Kay and she's mm. like, it's a bit, um, you know, she travels very freely and she just retreats all over the world. And all of a sudden it's like, no, you're staying here. So like, I'm very fortunate this has happened while I'm at home. It would have been mm. quite challenging if you were on a trip somewhere. You see some of the pictures of people in, in airports and when there's a, va- one, one, it's not great being in, a, in an airport for too long anyway, with loads of people just sat on the floor. But then when there's a virus swearing around, there's a lot of fear there. Um, mm. One thing um, we've talked about a little bit, and I think what I've come out of this from is, you know, we've used the word community a little bit in this and getting back to our roots. And I think a lot of us, not only will we be readdressing kind of how we work, but it'll be really significantly how, how we live and what our homes are like and are we living in community? And, you know, is the idea of a 30, 40 year mortgage really what, we want in life do we want to just be working to pay the bills and you know i've explored it a little bit and looked at some potential to build a community or buy land and stuff like that just in a way of just getting back to nature and just living in a more natural state because even though the way everything's been is is considered to be normal it's not natural and i think because it's just become such the norm, people don't question it. So like we've been for a few places and we went to, there's a co-housing space up in Lancaster, which has got a really nice feel to it. There's about 40 homes on there. They've got a central hub It's on the river and they all contribute each week, three hours of the time into the place to keep it, keep the upkeep going. And they've all, you know, and one of them was a nurse. And if she was in the hospital, someone else, the neighbors would be looking after the kids. There's no need for childcare. 
And I, I love what I like about it as well is when, if you do have kids, there's extended family all over. And the idea that, you know, it's not just down to the mum and dad to be raising this child and the grandparents or that they might see occasionally or every week or whatever. It's down to the neighbours become like the, you know, the uncles and they, they impart wisdom onto them. It's a little bit like the tribe, you know, go back to, I'm very fascinated about Native American tribes and how they would live. Probably about 100 to 150 would be the maximum that they go to. Very in tune with nature, the way they would. Obviously, that's the way, the way it was until, you know, the Brits went over and decided to do what they've done. Um, obviously, America's an amazing place now, but um, there's no doubt that there's been... Um, you know, a few atrocities over the years from the British Empire, which has been yeah. around the world. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think the idea of us living more in community, getting back to basics a little bit more. There's a community actually, which probably isn't too far from you, which is a Lamas community. Have you come across that? Yeah, they're in Pembrokeshire, just a few hours south from, from here. Yeah. Um, I think it's fine about them. But Kevin McLeod did a grand design show on them, and it followed mm-hmm. on the families and showed... And it was so nice compared to some of the shows. And I think this is a really good example. Some of the shows is you've got people with like a million pound budget to build these homes. They're getting super stressed. Some of them are having heart attacks because it stressed them out that much, trying to manage all the finances. You know, they're on TV, so they're stressing about making sure everything's got to be perfect. And some of them, and then at the end of it, they're like, never do that again. But then when you follow some of them, who are the smaller ones, particularly this Lamas one, they were, um, they, they, I think they spent £20,000, but they basically started with about five. And they said, well, when the money runs out, we'll just stop for a bit. And when the money, can t- every time they get a top up of cash, they'll do some more. So over the course of a few years, they invest £20,000 to the home. Beautiful, grow all their own food, really connected with nature, got other like-minded people who were setting up their own different um, homes within that space. And I think the interesting thing with Wales as well is the the government is much more open to communities and things like that happening there on the land. Like in England, the, the rules are much stricter on what you can do with planning. But in Wales, it seems to be much more open. And over the years, I've felt the pull, particularly to North Wales, something, you know, probably one of the reasons why, you know, Wales isn't getting that affected by COVID-19 at the moment is because well, there's not as many people. You know, there's yeah. quite a decent landmass, but I don't know how many, a few million people is there in total? Don't know. Three, three million in Wales, um, but then most of them are all in the south, in the in the Cardiff and Swansea, in the cities. So, you know, that's a huge percent of the po- percentage of the population are down there. So, up from there is 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 quite sparse, really. You know, um, I mean, if I go down the valley, there are people around now because everybody's you know, out because of what's happening. Um, but normally there's no one down there. And I can go, if I get to the end of the valley, it's five miles. I, you know, I can be miles away from from another human being, uh, which is really nice. Um, yeah. And we, you, you mentioned a little bit about connection with nature and I actually camped in the garden last night, which was interesting. Um, and it was really nice spending the whole evening out there. I just like, sang on the ukulele and it was full moon as well so i was just watching the moon for hours by myself um 
and yeah that that brought me back to some feeling of of connection you know of connection with with nature and um i think part of the community thing is uh, or my desire for community is also community within a, a space of of nature you know within a, a connection to that as well i guess um, i love that that you've you camped out last night under the full yeah. moon I'm going to do it every night now, I think, like while I'm here. Um, yeah. That's amazing. There's something, yeah. isn't it? I was out last night and I basically I go out for not all night, but I go out towards the end of the night and spend 10, 15 minutes out just looking at the stars. I nice. love it. Like at the moment, you can see Venus quite strong in the sky and the yeah. Pleiades star system is just down like southeast from it. In the, and I've got real resonance with, with that star constellation. Um, and there's something about when you look at them, them stars have been looking down on us for billions of years. And it's that feeling that, you know, what we're going in through now, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like everyone's world's over or in some ways, you know, it's getting turned upside down. But we'll, you know, things will, things will carry on. As long as the sun comes up every morning yeah. and the rain still waters the soil and the soil's strong, we're going to be okay. You know, the, re the rest of the stuff, like, interesting as well. It's really shown us what's important to us in our lives. So getting the latest iPhone or buying a new car or that new piece of clothing, you know, any idea, you know, which is driven by, you know, materialism and the marketing campaign, everything that's behind that. Everyone's really thinking, well, actually, no, you know, I don't need that new car. I don't need them new things. What do we need? Well, we need connection with people. We need a roof over our heads, we need fresh water, and we need good food. Um, and I'd like to think again when it pops out, because people just want the economy to bounce back. But maybe it's not going to bounce back from this, because we'll see. But I love that the fact that you've been out camping. That might inspire me, actually, to get the tent out, go out in the back, yeah. camp out with the cats. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I was gonna, I was gonna put a message out on Facebook to tell people to do it actually, because um, I think it's one of the best antidotes for right now. Like you were just saying, like the sun is still rising every day, you know, and and the, the birds are still singing, and in some some ways, nothing has changed. You know, like uh, if you go out into nature, everything is exactly as it always has been and always will be. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's a good antidote for now. Um, it's just to, to be in nature, yeah. And in a way, what's happening now is it's given us the opportunity to actually hear nature more as well because there's not as much traffic about. You know, yeah. there's, I look up at the sky, there's no planes flying about and there's hardly any clouds at the moment. And it's just... And yeah, that's the thing. If, if you were to be plugged in watching the news all the time. You're just going to be in this heightened state of anxiety all the time. Next mm. thing, who's got it? Who's got it? You know, every day, the numbers, how many people are dying? But this happens like every day anyway, whether it's to do with cancer, heart disease, war, you know, kids. I think every day there's thousands of kids starved to death anyway. That should yeah. be on the front of the paper every single day until we solve that, you know. Um, so... But yeah, that, on the news, it's one of the reasons why I set this podcast up actually is because there's so much good happening in the world and there's so many people like yourself and others that are, you know, are doing their bit to help other people. 
um, big or small, that I want to shine a light on that to to encourage more people that, you know, we've all got it within us. And that's the thing, you know, at some point I'd love to have like some Russell Brand on this podcast or other people. Um, and that would be incredible. Um, but it's great for me just to speak with people who are friends, people who, like I had a neighbor on who's a, a runner, she set up a running group. She's helped hundreds of people to get out, you know, and face the fears and get out running and, you know, transform the life. And every one of us has got us in us. And I think if that can come, more of that can come out of us now that, you know, what good can we be doing? And that's what we've been seeing a lot of it. This is a Thursday, so at eight o'clock, we'll go out tonight and we'll be clapping for, um, for all the NHS and all the nurses. And we did it, we did it last Thursday and oh, it felt so good. We went out, people are banging the pots and pans, keys, clapping. And there was just this real, I'm telling you that the human spirit is alive and well, and it's been awakened from this and you go around and all the kids have been painting rainbows on the front of the houses just like spreading light and stuff and you know we're really gonna we're seeing the best of humanity as well during this time and what's so beautiful as well is like nurses are and people who are working in the health service it they've almost got that same level of respect as what people would have had say with the army in the second world war, when they, they would have come home and they would have defeated Hitler. But now what's great about it is we're not fighting against another country. We're not, um, that's not happening, but we're all on the same side at the moment. And there's so, it's really heartening to, to see all them things that are happening now. And that's why I was saying to speaking to someone else in the podcast, say this would have just happened and it would have been like locked down for a week or so everything would have bounced back pretty quickly. But even, this could be two, three months, could even be longer. And it's not even when the lockdown's off, things aren't going to bounce back straight away for a lot of, like potentially a lot of businesses. Like for us, like we're, we've been affected. Like all, we're a design company and all our projects have either been paused or cancelled. So, and I wouldn't, and because we're in an industry that isn't necessarily, what we're seeing, it's not frontline, it's not necessarily essential. It's important because we do a lot of stuff with the NHS and, and other things, but um, it's showing that it doesn't mean that when the lockdown's over, all our projects and clients and are just going to appear and go, oh, we're going to start. There's going to be an, there's going to be a transition period, I think, for a few months as we sort of like reintegrate and recalibrate stuff. So yeah, it's going to be an interest, interesting time. But but yeah, I think when you're saying about camping out in nature and just looking at the stars, there's just there's so much to, 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 to get from it and that you're saying about just reconnecting. And that's maybe that's what this is all about us just reconnecting with our true selves and, and awakening that part of us or remembering, remembering that part that's always been there, but we've just, we've been distracted by, by life really, or how life has turned into it. So. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's forcing us to look at that as well. Like there's no other option because we're not, we're, well, most people are less distracted now than they were. So it's like, it's taking us back to, to home, isn't it? And from the foundations, making sure that our foundations of home are, are as they should be, I guess. Um, and yeah, and like you were saying, like figuring out what we really want. And I think what you were saying about 
the positive aspects i think it's really good to to focus on those as well like to to focus on what what good is also coming out out of this and to keep ourselves more more in that frame of mind i think because it's quite easy to go into the the negative the so-called negative and the difficult things that this is bringing up but, um but yeah there's also opportunity and there's also positivity i guess um it's just about seeing that isn't it which can be difficult sometimes finding that yeah and in terms of you say about opportunity i understand that during the the 08 financial crash a lot of very innovative innovative companies started during that time yeah and, uh, online companies which have like kind of like revolutionized the world you know a bit i think whatsapp started around then and uber and all these digital companies that come out um like WhatsApp's playing a pretty important role for a lot of people now and all the groups and staying connected and, and chatting um, and obviously likes of Zoom and like we're doing this over Zoom. So yeah. I think in this time, there'll be a huge amount of creativity that'll be poured into, into this. When there's any, whenever there's like big challenges, that's when we can really focus our minds a bit and feel like time is of the essence. We need to, things will just get born, be born out of it. So even though it can seem tough and we're all feeling it and we're getting affected and, like I said before, I've got friends, parents who are, you know, really ill from it all. Um, when we look back on it, we can probably stop back at this time and be like, wow, well, this is what came from it. Um, and it might not, we might not see it for a few years. It could, it could take a while for it to sort of manifest and unfold. But, but um, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's fascinating. I just keep thinking now about getting my tent out. About going get- yeah, do it. Do it, man. It's, it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've got good weather at the moment. Really good weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. Um, yeah. I think we were talking about it early on, that if it was um, if it was teaming down now, or it was beginning of January on lockdown. Oh, God. Straight. You know, everyone's already, people already have the January blues after Christmas. Yeah. It would have been an absolute tidal wave of, uh, of that. So thankfully... It's happened in springtime where we can all get a bit of a top up of vitamin D. Um, and that's interesting. I'm actually following a lot of people. I know everyone's pushing, you know, they, they want to get the vaccine out and stuff and that side of approach of it, you know, from the medical industry and, you know, that can be all well and good. But I think what it's showing is as well is that it probably inspire more of us to start to look after ourselves a bit more because the people that are really getting affected are the ones with, the, you know, the chronic health conditions, the one who smoke, uh, who are obese, who are obese and they've got, you know, other issues and stuff. And I know a lot of time people, you know, can have hereditary issues and, and it can be, and they can be in that situation for, for many reasons, but I think it can potentially inspire more people to eat healthy. Um, and I know I'm hearing like people are still getting sick or considered healthy, but on the whole, most people who are suffering from this, and the ones who maybe aren't um, bodies in the, isn't in the greatest place. So, um, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're definitely right. I think it's like um, an opportunity to really focus on self care as well. You know, like um, we've got more time. Most people have got more time right now, so it's it's a chance to to kind of put things right that maybe we weren't doing. You know, it's a chance to do exercise every day it's a chance to to meditate every day to do yoga to do whatever you want to do but have that as 
structure and I think it's forcing us almost to have structure because um, that's something that's helping to keep a lot of people I think kind of sane throughout this is 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 thinking like right 9am I'm going to do my exercise with Joe Wicks or whatever and then 10am I'm going to do my meditation class and then whatever you know um, so it's it might be might be helping to teach everyone uh, self self-care you know um, and also I think if people are suffering during this time it's kind of forcing them to figure out a way of 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 fixing that I guess um, it's kind of forcing us to maybe to maybe look at ways or find ways to to make ourselves feel better or to just look after ourselves I guess um, yeah what sort of guidance are you maybe offering people who are maybe you know, you're doing your classes with people are mm. you um, yeah I'm interested to know if you're if you're imparting any kind of knowledge or wisdom onto John this time yeah I mean one of the main things I've been saying is like having a structure a structured daily practice I think is really kind of well if you're struggling mentally anyway to have kind of a practice that you do every day whether that's meditation or yoga or some form of kind of some form of practice that helps you with your with your with your mind really I guess and helps to bring your attention away from your thinking mind so much um so yeah I'm I'm just saying that what I'm trying to teach I guess is that a daily practice of that is super important and also being outside you know I know I'm going to stay at home but you know like spending time outside in nature every day as well um and finding what works what works for people I guess what works for themselves yeah yeah I like the idea of you know having that structure because some people would be so used to getting up getting out to work for a set time have that routine nine to five back home tea if they've got kids sort the kids out you know and it's just and now well it's all up in the air even if people are working from home I saw a good quote the other day about people working from home it says I'm not actually working from home I'm at home trying to work in, in yeah. a pandemic yeah. you know it's not like it's not a normal place just to be trying working from home so you can't expect productivity levels to be anywhere near um, the, the level that they potentially could have been. Um, but yeah, structure, uh, something that's found for us as well, it's been really important. We've been working from home for over four years now. Mm. Before that, I'd have nine years of getting up, getting in the car, going down the motorway, being in the office, and then, you know, go through the day. Lunch was set time pretty much each day. And, and then all of a sudden you come home and it's like you, you've got more autonomy, and more freedom, but it's a bit like if someone's been in jail for so long. I don't want to associate working in, in an office as a, in a jail, but in some ways there's, there's parallels across all stuff, isn't there? Um, and, um, you know, you want you, that structure to people's day. Um, can I watched a good documentary, just popped in my head then, um, about Aaron Hernandez on Netflix. He was oh. this um, American football player and, got given like a 40 million pound contract and um and then he ended up getting um sent to jail um for committing some murders and supposedly he really adapted he adapted better to being in jail than he did to being out in the outside world with so much freedom and money to do whatever he wanted like mm -hmm. having um i'm not saying that any of us should be 
encouraging to go get ourselves into jail for this. Um, and I don't even know where I'm bloody going with this, but back to the back to the <laughs> idea back to the idea of structure. I think um, it's definitely it's definitely helped us to be like okay in the morning. And we actually wrote a blog post about it on our site a few weeks ago about tips. And one of the things is you can still um, you could still walk to work if you wanted in the morning. You could go before you start working, just go and do it. Do the same walk, thirty minute walk, bring you back home, and then start working. And mm. that can be your your journey to work rather than feeling like you're just getting up and you've got your pajamas on and you're, you're opening the laptop and plugging in. Um, and even stuff like, you know, even like, and this is the thing, like one thing that's important to put, get across is sometimes like people are only putting out like, oh, look at all the stuff I've done today. I've been this productive and that. But some days, you know, even if you just make the bed, brush your teeth and get a shower, sometimes that's a success in itself. You know, it's, Sometimes it's this, I achieve and do more and look what I've done. Then I, I, I'm in that, like some of the stuff I share that looks like I'm quite productive with stuff. But there's plenty of times when I'm having a few days where I'm like, I'm not in a good headspace here and I don't want to be like being productive. I just want to just slow down. And if you can just do the basics sometimes, that's good enough. Yeah, definitely. And maybe it's a time to rest for us as well. You know, like maybe we all deserve a bit of a rest you know i think i think we do like as people because we everybody works so hard you know like everybody i know is working so much um and maybe yeah maybe this is an opportunity for us to to just rest like to chill out to rest our bodies to to yeah to just do, do just that maybe yeah yeah definitely rest and refresh seems mm. to be a bit of a, a thing that's coming up for me. I'm reading, um, I don't know if you come across any of the Seth books. Um, no. Um, it's by a lady called Jane Roberts and it's channeled information from like the 70s. Oh. And it's all about the nature of reality. And um, really, it's quite, um, it's quite deep stuff really. And I've just picked that one back up. I started the book in 2012. Um, oh. And I read the first one quite... Um, I got through that in a few months, but the second one's just been, I don't know, I just haven't quite got my teeth into it. I just picked it up again. And I think in this rest time now, it's like I'm giving myself permission to read more and read more in the day. I used to just think I give myself a window to read before I went to bed at night. Mm. Like I give myself half an hour to an hour. That's when I'd read. Um, but it's nice. Like when you go on holiday, you'll read anytime you read, I'll read at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll read, so it's giving ourselves that permission to, I'm not saying right now it's like a holiday, but um, it's definitely a, a time to, to rest and to, are you um, interested to know what you, you got any books at the moment on the go? I'm reading this one book I've been reading for a while, uh, which is, is called the Sedona Method. Have you heard of the Sedona Method? I've not heard of the Sedona Method. I've been to Sedona, but I've not heard ah, of it. Okay, yeah. But it's, it's, I was about to write a post about it, actually. Um, it's basically this method uh, devised by this guy called Lester Levinson. I think maybe it was in the 70s or something. And it's about, um, it's about releasing our emotions. So it's, um, the idea is that um, we hold on to a lot of our emotions. Um, and there's a the method that this guy came up with is uh, you ask yourself these set of questions. Uh, so first you ask yourself, 
how am I feeling? And you might be feeling, I don't know, uh, angry. Um, and then the next question you ask yourself is, oh, can I welcome this anger? Um, so partly it's about acknowledging how we're feeling emotionally and then also um, allowing ourselves to feel that, you know, to, to welcome it in. Uh, and then you ask yourself, can I, could I let this emotion go? Um, and you, you can answer yes. And if you, if you answer yes, then you ask yourself, uh, do I actually want to let it go? You know, do I want to let this anger go? Because I think a lot of the time we, we don't want to let our emotions go. You know, we hold on to anger because we're like, no, like I need to be angry at this person or whatever. Um, and then, um, and then you ask yourself, oh, am I ready to let this go? And then if you say yes, you are. Um, and it's a really simple process, but it, for some reason it works like really profoundly. Like um, I've noticed it, it, it works really, really well uh, for something that's so simple. Um, and it's helped me see that um, I can let go of emotions within a space of a few minutes rather than holding on them, to them for, for days, you know. Um, so I've been blown away by the method actually in the book and I've had this book for six months um, and it's it's not a small book but it's not a big one either and I've read it every day for six months actually and just just going through the processes the, the techniques with it um, and it's done it's done loads for me it's been really 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 valuable um, so yeah the Sedona method it's called Sounds um, I'll yeah I'll have to check that out yeah when when you're talking about that, it reminds me of, I, I got into doing EFT a few, mm, yeah. a few years ago and I found that to have been really quite uh, powerful and accessible. Like I bought the book and within, you know, the first chapter or two, it's telling, talking me how to, how to do it. And anyone who's not aware of it, basically you, uh, it's called basically short term called tapping. Anyone that's watching this can see that you, you basically start tapping and um, meridian points on your body. Um, and then you work through your emotions. And one thing that I found to be really empowering about it, and it was one sentence in it, it basically said, you know, sometimes some of us have been holding on to trauma for not just weeks, months, for years, decades, from, from an incident that lasted a few seconds. Now, and it said in that book, he said, well, just because if it only took a few seconds to cause it, it only needs to take a couple of seconds to release it. So it doesn't need to be 40 years of it, you know? And I think sometimes we can, we, we create this narrative and story in our head about things that have happened to us. Mm. And we end up building our identity around that stuff and it ends up shaping a lot of things. Um, and maybe some of us don't want to let go of it because it's actually turned in, into our identity. But if we really are ready to do it, it doesn't mean that we have to spend years going through counseling for it. It can be a quicker process. And I wonder whether, you know, the book you're talking about there is a way of acknowledging them feelings and, and process. Because sometimes, like, here's the thing for me, like, I've spoken about this on this podcast as well, about my challenges with anxiety and depression and how I um, was on, you know, medication in my mid-20s and took that for a few years. I was just, you know, I, basically, I couldn't explain how I felt. All I knew, I could only ever said I felt bad, I feel bad, but I couldn't define what them feelings were i couldn't talk about the emotions i couldn't talk about where it felt where i felt it in my body was it in my tummy was it my chest was it my head it was just like 
maybe you were talking about it early on with the anxiety about it was just like you felt so much tension all over your body and mm. you're just looking for a way out of it. And I think that's why, that's why I have a lot of compassion for a lot of people who, you know, you can maybe see a lot of homeless people or people who are alcoholics or have got addictions. They're all just suffering like us in different ways. And maybe a lot of them haven't got the support network or the, the comfort blankets. They're like, you know, a lot of people just fl- slip through the net. Like we're fortunate, say for instance, now where you are, you know, you're able to go back home and be with your parents through this. And for, an ex- for as long as you want, really, you can feel like you're held by that. Where a mm. lot of people will be like, no, you know, it could be, you know, I spoke about it before, like all the homes been pulled off the street, but I think there's a lot of people who don't have them safety nets in place. And when things go back to normal, you know, um, the support that's in place from the government isn't going to be the, unless they introduce universal basic income. And maybe we'll talk about that briefly, um, but we'll see. And I think it's just having more compassion for, for people and knowing that everyone's going through stuff and we all put on a brave face. And I think, you know, you speak to people and they'll use that term, oh, I'm fine. But are you really fine? You know, like mm. I, 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 I love to be positive. I see someone like, how are you doing? And I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm all good. But I'm not all good all the time. And I think that's why like I chat with you and stuff and I can feel like I can build up a good connection with you. And I could, you know, talk to you and go, you know what? Actually, I'm struggling with this and this is happening. And I think it's about us moving from that place of, of thinking that being vulnerable is a negative trait to actually being vulnerable and expressing how you're feeling is a really empowering and a really positive, um, positive way to be. And, you know, if there's more people, and I think that's really happened in the past, last decade or so, I think a lot of that's sort of been breaking away. What, what are your thoughts on that idea on, on vulnerability and, and a man particularly? Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that. I was going to mention masculinity. Um, but yeah, everything you said really resonates totally with, with me. Um, personally, I, I, I never felt, like you said, you know, like I, um, I just say I was fine, you know. I, I never knew when I was younger how to connect with how I was feeling, especially within my body. You know, I didn't know that these emotions were inside of me, you know, that they were in my body. Um, and I think, um, I think, yeah, as a man growing up that I didn't have that um, ability to express my emotions. Um, I didn't do it really with my friends. Um, hadn't done it growing up at all, you know. Uh, it's something I had to learn, you know, and I had to learn to even, like, cry, you know. Like, I, for, like, most of my life, I hadn't really let tears out or let my emotions come out in that way. Um, and I'm lucky, like, I met so many... I found so many practices that helped me to start to do that, you know, and the singing and the dancing and everything has been so good for, for me to be able to let that out, you know? Um, and then I think the vulnerability things, a big thing, because I think as men, maybe showing our vulnerability is something that we are almost programmed to not do. It feels like as if, um, as if if we show we're emotionally vulnerable, then it's kind of a sign of, of weakness or something or, or, or that we're not going to, I don't know, just that there's a sense that it's not something you should do. Um, but I think um, 
I think it's actually a beautiful experience to be vulnerable. And I think it's actually a sign of, of strength, really, that you're able to, to, to be vulnerable. Um, watch a documentary called The Work. Have you seen The Work? No. Oh, you'd probably love it. Um, it's uh, these people that are, these guys go into a prison, a men's prison. Um, it's a documentary and they do what they call men's work, uh, which is basically just um, uh, speaking, uh, like group therapy, I guess, for men, talking about everything they've been through in their life. Um, and it's a super like emotional documentary. I was crying quite a lot watching it. Um, and it just shows the raw vulnerability of some of those men that are in prison and everything they went through. Um, and yeah, it's an amazing documentary. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's um, something really important that's happening a bit more nowadays is that men are maybe uh, sharing their vulnerability a bit more. Um, and I think it's a really important thing. You know, like um, I read something yeah, a few days ago, 75% of suicides are men, you know, um, and it's the biggest killer in in the UK is men under 40 ending their life. So, um, yeah, I think it's something that we've, yeah, something that needs, I don't know if it needs to be looked, yeah, it needs to be looked at or we need to kind of, um, need to kind of find ways to help men to to be able to start to express their emotions yes yeah yeah it's embracing it's embracing that side of stuff and it, it's getting over that that thing that a lot of men have been told when they're younger you know big boys don't cry mm. and you know I, i've talked about this in this podcast at times and you, you know if you look at a little boy three or four and a little girl you know they both cry as much as each other you know, but at some point, the programming kicks in um, from the parents or from society and grandparents, whoever, you know, because it makes it's, it's that which is an old, outdated, outdated ideology now, you know, being the macho, you know, because we're seeing of plenty of people who were, like you said, suicide in men and because they, they're put on a front put on a face of how the, it is out throughout the world. But when they go home, it could be in some real terrible states. And, and I think, you know, what you're doing and us talking about this stuff and there's more men, I'm seeing a lot more men's retreats appearing. I think we were, well, I actually shared one with you, which was with a, um, a yoga teacher, James Bogue, that we're going to potentially, you know, think about going on, which that's probably not going to happen um, mm. in May. Um, but I think I, I feel really drawn for that. And I know Martin Bone, who I've had on this podcast, he does men's retreats and he's doing amazing work in Liverpool. Absolutely incredible work, what he's doing. Um, and yeah, he's really like, because he's like, you know, you look at him, he's a masculine man, strong masculine man. Yeah, he's very vulnerable. He'll talk about his feelings. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll have a good cry. He'll be there for men, you know, as well. And I think if more people are seeing them kind of men, you know, being like that. It's a bit like, even like Joe Rogan and people like that, you know, they'll, they'll talk about their emotions a bit and they'll be quite vulnerable as well, even though these are like these big macho men. Um, and we're seeing it more and more. So I think the more of us that can have them as our, um, like more male figures like that in our lives. And if that has to come online or if it has to come through a book to, to empower us, it might, some of us might feel like it didn't come from our parents growing up. 
um, then yeah, all, all the better. And I think it ties into what I was saying before about the idea of us being living more back like a bit of a tribal type thing, community. You know, it takes people talk this term like it takes a village to raise a child, and we've mm. put too much pressure on like two on an adult, two adults like raising children to try and give them everything they need. And one thing can probably come from this now is that I assume a lot of mums and dads are not working and they're at home with the kids and they're homeschooling them and they're spending more time with them. And, and you know, there's going to be a, I think a lot of good can come out of that as well. But yeah, it's great talking to you, man. I could probably go on all day, but I'll probably have to, to, to wrap it up at some yeah. point. But, um, so what do you see? How's things looking for you then going forward? Are you, are you enjoying doing the online stuff? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, before this I already had like an online program set up and stuff um so yeah I think it's good um yeah it allows you to open what you're showing to a greater audience I guess um and to maybe give your stuff uh, to more people people that need your things more specifically um yeah so yeah I think what it looks like online is 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 the way forward for now <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I think it's like even me talking to you on this podcast, like this is why I started it in a way was because I love having interesting conversations with people and why not just share them? And if other people find value in them, then great. I kept, sometimes I'll check the stats and I'll be able to like see which places are. And sometimes there's like just this village will pop up in like some remote part of America. And there was mm-hmm. like, you know, 15, 20 listens over a couple of days in this place. And it's almost like someone's got it. And then they've shared it with someone else close to them. And, you know, you couldn't imagine that someone in remote little part of little state in America or wherever is going to be like listening to some of the conversations we're having. So you opening up your stuff more online rather than you just having to do it to say 20 people in a class in Liverpool. It means it can be to 200 people or 2000 people or however many at some point given. um, Yeah. And I think what happens as well for the internet we're all more willing to share our gifts openly and freely. Mm. Um, what that is at the core, I'm not sure, but we seem to be like more willing to be like give stuff away online. And that in a way is just going to help. I think generally just helps to lift society and rather than it being like competitive and I'm just holding on to, to what I've got. It's like, no, I'm going to freely share stuff. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. We'll see, like, like I said before, this is recorded on um, the 9th of April. So when this goes out, I'm not sure yet, but the actual, um, who knows what the world, what state the world will be in. And I know at the moment, Boris is currently in intensive care. So, you know, we hope he, we hope he comes out at that one and he's, um, you know, he makes a full recovery to it, but we'll see, see how things unfold. But do you know what I'd like to just ask you? I always ask them all my guests this, and if you could just... Um, want to ask you as well so obviously this podcast is called the do good podcast all about sharing what good people are doing what advice would you give someone who's looking to go out and do their own bit of good in the world um i guess it's about connecting with your own heart really isn't it and um connecting with yeah i think that that the answer to that will come from each person's heart i guess um just connecting with 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 themselves um and i think the more we allow ourselves to do that the more 
the ans those answers maybe come. Um, I think that happened with me. Like I think the more I meditated and stuff, the more I saw that the work I was doing was not what I was meant to be doing, and that actually I was meant to be teaching yoga and teaching meditation. Um, and I think that just came from 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 meditating a lot and from doing a lot of yoga. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. I think that's my advice. Yeah. yeah. That sounds advice because that's the thing, you know, we've all got to find our own path, haven't we? Sometimes we may see what someone else is doing and go, I want to do that. But from what place is that? Is it from the ego? Is it from the mind? Or is it from, is it from something deeper inside? And I think like you're saying there with meditation and going within, we get, can get so many more answers on the inside if we just can quiet the mind and be open to it. And then, like you said, I asked you before, why did you move to Liverpool? And you said, I got the inspiration, I got the thought and, mm. and then I followed it. You know, you were meant to, you were meant to go to Liverpool and you yeah. didn't overanalyze it. You just, it felt right. Um, and that's the thing about what feels right and what feels good and what, you know, you, I'm, I'm doing my best now to go off what, if I, if I get think of doing something, how does it make me feel? Do I get that feeling of excitement or mm. is it more like, is it just a thought and a, than a feeling. So if I can go off the feeling and, and, and trust the feeling, does it, does it feel a good feeling? It, you know, it's, it's kind of just using our own inner guidance system, but yeah, I like that advice, Sean. I really appreciate that. Well, it's been great chatting to you and uh, I can't wait to see you again at Five Rhythms um, yeah. on our Monday night and have a dance and have a hug. You know what? That's what I'm missing. I'm missing yes. hugging people. Yeah. I'm missing hugging my mum and dad. Um, you know, fortunate I live with my wife and we've got the cats. So, you know, we can hug them and stuff. But I'm really, that's the thing, I'm really looking forward to hu hugging someone and, and giving you a big hug when I see you in, see you in Liverpool. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get my tent out. And I'm going to put it up. Do it, do it. <laughs> you got to share this though, share these things on, share these across social media, inspire other people to do the same. Man. I will, I'll take a picture of my tent now and, and, put it online yeah that sounds good yeah. Well, yeah it's been great talking to you man thanks a lot man yeah it's been great thank you so there we have it guys there's today's podcast with sean jones all wrapped up um i hope you guys enjoyed that it was nice for me to feel like i was just having a chat with a mate through there and um, i was probably a bit more chatty through that than i have been on uh, on some other podcasts so it was nice nice that and um, you know if you enjoy this podcast guys please and you listen to it on apple please um you know leave me a review or um leave a rating that would be great and you know if you really fancy support me a bit further then i've got my patreon page and um you know you can become a member on there so it'd be great in here but anyway until next time have a good one